You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone. Um, I'm your host, Tori. Um, I am hoping that everyone that's listening right now and uh, having lunch on the East Coast or taking a mid-morning break on the West Coast, um, please take sips of water because today you're going to be hearing a lot of things that you might uh, find a little bit troubling. As we can um, all see, there has been a wave of feeling distress, feeling that, uh, you know, our president uh, yesterday was having a bad day. And I'd like to tell everyone, yesterday was an amazing day. It was not a beat. We are not losing. We are super winning. And... I just wanted to mention, anyone that hasn't heard uh, yesterday's show, I encourage you to listen to it, because on the first, when I started my show, before General Flynn uh, sentencing news came out, I had already told you just how predictable the deep state is. I had already told you, you can see them coming, so obviously if we can see them coming, you know our president can. And I mentioned that we are going to see the fake news start to push treason, start to push connections with Turkey. And like I explained, this is all part of their plan. We also yesterday touched on the fact that Loretta Lynch and Clapper have been out of the mainstream media spotlight. And when you see them come back in, it's because there's a huge boom coming. Well, what do we see today? Suddenly today, after the second closed-door session, because remember, Loretta Lynch, prior to Comey's testimony that was behind closed doors, which I haven't even begun to deconstruct, uh, she was interviewed, and now she came back after his testimony. And this is incredible because... Even though I don't give a lot, I would say, credit to our senators, to our uh, congressmen on how they question, I have to say that they've pretty much caught them with their pants down. I'm going to read to you transcript from May 23, 2017, Gowdy questioning Brennan. Here we go. And now pay attention to how big this boom is coming. Gowdy, Director Brennan Do you know who commissioned the Steele dossier? Brennan. I don't. Hiatus here, where I'm going to say, Brennan orchestrated the whole thing. But let's keep going. Gowdy, do you have, hold on, do you have, oh, do you know if the Bureau, FBI, ever relied on the Steele dossier as part of any court filing applications? Brennan, I have no awareness. Amnesia, right? They all get amnesia. Gowdy. Did the CIA rely on it? Brennan, no. They didn't rely on it. They created it. But let's keep going. Gowdy, why not? Brennan, 
because we didn't. It wasn't part of the corpus of intelligence information that we had. It was not in any way used as a basis for the intelligence community assessment that was done. Uh, it was not. Now we're going from Comey's testimony of Monday, December 17th. Gowdy to Comey, right? Do you recall the specific conversation or back and forth with the then director, Brennan, on whether or not the material should be included in the IC assessment, IC intelligence community assessment, and he's referring to the Steele dossier? Mr. Comey, yes, I remember conversation. Let me think about it for a second. I remember there was a conversation about what form its presentation should take in the over re overarching document. That is, should it be in an annex? Should it be in the body that the intelligence community broadly found its source credible and that it was corroborative of central thesis of the intelligence community assessment? And the discussion was, should we put it in the body or put it as an attachment? I'm hesitating because I don't remember whether I had that conversation. I had that conversation with John Brennan, but I remember that there was a conversation about how it should be treated. Did you guys see that? Are you getting this? So Brennan denied using the Steele dossier. Brennan denied ever basing anything or, you know, verifying it or using it. Yet Comey, over a year later, testifies, well, yeah, we were kind of debating. Should we just add it as an attachment, you know, kind of to beef up our application? Or do we put it in the body of it? Because the intelligence community, which Brennan ran, found it credible and that it was a credible source. This is what we have to pay attention to, guys. Slowly it's coming out. I know all of us are impatient. And yesterday I had received so many messages from people on both sides telling me, I am so frustrated. We had a big loss yesterday. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is a huge win. And I encourage them to see, hey, the minute we hear about Loretta Lynch and Clapper, you know it's here. It has landed and the game is over for them. And what do we see today? I said that yesterday. What do we see today? Loretta Lynch is trending. And what does our president do? He doesn't pretty much draw attention to Loretta Lynch anymore. Uh, you know, he's not. He's talking about Syria. And here is where we circle back to what I've been saying for weeks. Turkey. Turkey, I've explained to you, I've, I've written an, an article about it, uh, coin like if Turkey is going to, you know, burn in their own oil. Uh, they are the central hub for oil distribution for the European Union. Now, for us, pulling troops out of Syria means that we are no longer funding pipelines that will siphon oil from the Middle East to the European Union via Syria circumventing Turkey. Now, the mainstream media, the fake news media, and a lot of these right-wing pundits that have no idea what they're talking about because they don't understand energy politics. Like I've said, I'm not an energy expert, but I've held a Q clearance. So, and, and that's in relation to energy. So I can tell you that this is all about oil. It has nothing to do with we want to save the world. We want to help people. No, it's the European Union, the experiment of globalism, the experiment of putting multiple countries under one government, one law. Pay attention. Syria 
is the other country the EU wanted to use to siphon oil from uh, Qatar, from Oman, from Yemen, circumventing Turkey. And the reason is because, you know, Russia, the past five years, even though compliant and even though reliant on the oil that they're distributing via the hub of oil networking in Turkey, has shown defiance to their actions because they've seen that they've built a railroad with China. They're not very, um, I would say, they're not buying into this whole global order thing. They're not. So this was just another way for anyone who thinks that this chemical attack, these, uh, uh, that Assad needs to be removed, has to do with helping people, you are very much mistaken. The only thing they want is to be able to create that pipeline between Syria, Iraq, Iran, Qatar, circumventing Turkey, because that is the only pipeline that won't go through Turkey. It'll be going direct from Syria. And there is actually, the World Bank is entertaining a plan funded Keep in mind that the Obama administration had recommended funding it and helping to fund an underwater pipeline through the Mediterranean to be able to distribute oil to Europe via that, you know, direction as opposed to through Turkey. Because remember, Turkey is like a hub and it gets fed oil from where? Russia and Iran. And Iran's pipeline runs to where? Oman. And why do we have war in Yemen? Because Oman and Iran are putting pressure on Yemen to start to, you know, extend the pipeline from Oman to Yemen to get oil to the EU. It's all about the oil. It's all about power. It's all about money. It has nothing to do with helping people. So us pulling out indicates that we are not funding this pipeline. We are not backing it. There is nothing to do there. ISIS is done. ISIS was something our country created. We paid for these rebels. We created it because how are you going to force a country to allow you to build pipelines through their country, to sell oil to the European Union, to literally steal the wealth of the Middle East and have it owned by the European Union if you don't take down their government. That is the whole point. People need to get on board and understand this is what's going on. I don't care if you like Islamic states. I don't care if you like the Arab nations. The bottom line is it's theft. And as Americans, we have to be able to discern the difference between what's right and wrong. We can't blur the lines because of feelings or things we don't agree with. Now, moving on, this Loretta Lynch closed hearing is huge, okay? Huge. Because the fact that she's out in the news now, like I said, her and Clapper are coming to the surface, means that there is going to be some major development happening. Now, what is this development? I'm still trying to figure it out, but, but it's going to be predictable. We do understand that they are all lying right? Comey and Brennan are testifying things that are different. Brennan's testimony is coming up to the surface and being compared with what Comey's been saying. And it seems very different. And you better believe it that Loretta Lynch's testimony is being compared. The only concern that I do have, though, is the comparison of notes 
because don't forget that this oversight committee and these transcripts are being shared by people that are not on the side of the American people, that are on the side of the deep state. You have to remember that Comey, in his interview, when he came out of his closed-door hearing, asked, begged Republicans that took the easy route out by resigning or stepping down to come up. He said, you somebodies have to say something. You need to speak up. He was terrified. He is asking for people to leak. He is asking for people to help. The deep state is in pure panic, and no one sees it. Instead, we have the mainstream media pushing things like treason, forgetting that the people that were indicted, one of the people that were indicted by the Department of Justice, would just so happen coincidentally to drop that indictment, unseal that indictment, actually, on the day of Flynn's sentencing, the day before his sentencing, allowing the media to cycle and peddle this idea of how he might have been in the White House committing treason is incredible because people forget, and this is why I'm here, to remind you who these people are, how that one person on that indictment was appointed by Obama, was appointed by Bush in high positions within our country. They have gone con undergone congressional interviews for these positions. They know these people. And these people are part of the deep state. So that is what you need to remember. I'm still putting the documentation together to put it down. I have this guy's resume. I have his testimony at Congress, uh, how he was appointed and how proud he was that Bush appointed him as, uh, you know, uh, on the board of directors of the Import and Export Bank of America. Paying attention, please. We have to stay focused. And I'm so glad that I'm seeing so many people using that, you know, those six inches between their ears to discern fact from fiction. We saw our president being pounded with his um, organization, how he's going to dissolve it and just get rid of it because they're creating this narrative that he used it to do this and that and tax. You know, guys, a lot of people set up 501s to help them financially um, to be able to do good and make it easier on paper. Uh, you know, if there was anything that was fraudulent about it, it would have already come out. I think it was one of the best decisions that President Trump could have made um, to, you know, and his family to dissolve it. That way there's no questions. There's no um, uh, possibility of having something like what happened to General Flynn, which is a deep stater contributing and then getting indicted and then linking them to the organization. You know, it, it was a, it was great. I love to see it. And regardless, remember, we have an incoming attorney general in New York who literally campaigned and literally made statements saying she will weaponize her office to give the Trump family a thorough legal colonoscopy. That is insane. On those grounds only, there should be enough to disallow her from actually taking the oath of office. I don't see how this isn't happening at the moment. Our president is under attack by everyone and everything. He has people sitting next to him 
who are part of the deep state. But like I said, the minute, I said it yesterday, the minute we see that Loretta Lynch is finally back on the map and they're talking about her, this is the mainstream media mitigating. They're mitigating because they know what's coming. They're mitigating because it's time to drive the conversation. Kind of like the way they were mitigating that Flynn's case may have been thrown out yesterday. But, you know, he took an extra 90 days. Oh, and let me talk about these 90 days, right? So we're talking March. There's a delay in the sentencing. The judge made statements about treason that he recanted. He was sorry. He was just furious. I mean, the, the, the whole conversation really wished that there was audio because it would have been like drama to the nth power. But never mistake drama or misspoken things for hints to what's to come. You know, because Mueller said that, you know, General Flynn is cooperating in this investigation of these people that we've just unsealed the indictment on, and he's been really helpful with Turkey and extraditing and what he did, uh, you know, and he stopped doing it in November, lobbying, etc. right? So he pretty much hinted that. And so these 90 days are pretty good because I think Mueller is wrapping up that investigation into Turkey or the DOJ, the corrupt DOJ from what we see now based on what was being, you know, pushed in the media for 24 hours before the sentencing hearing. These 90 days will give enough time for them to finish that cycle of investigations so that way Flynn is safe. Because just because he pleads guilty to this, which is what his plan was all along to do, just because he pleads guilty to this doesn't mean that they can't come back later. So the fact that his sentencing is open-ended buys time to allow to wait and see how they roll this turkey thing out. Because if you're listening to my shows, you'll realize turkey is just the conduit. Nobody cares about turkey. You know, there's people that are saying, you know, um, Erdogan wants to make it an Islamic state. He could try all he wants. The Arab nations were completely uh, upfront about it. You do not belong to the Islamic states. You are not considered part of the Islam nation. You are fanatics. You give Muslims a bad name. We do not want you. That is fact. Europe, on the other hand, has shunned Turkey as well, saying, you know, you're really just a mashup of stealing land from, you know, Armenia, Greece, and other countries, and parts of, you know, what could have been Russia, and Kurds creating Turkey. You're just Ottomans. You're barbarians. You're the ones that invaded people. We can't trust you. Because you don't have an identity. This is what it comes down to. Turkey has no identity. But that, that, that is why the European chose Tur the European Union, the global elitist chose Turkey to be the conduit to bring the oil and siphoning things coming in from Africa in the Middle East. You know, we won't talk about Africa yet. It's not coming to the forefront. That'll be at some point in 2019. For now, we're focusing on the Middle East because there is an oil crisis. There is a battle for energy, and the European Union cannot rely on Russia. 
and us pulling out of Syria indicates that we will not be funding any such projects, which means that Russia, unfortunately, will be one of the main suppliers of oil and gas to the European Union, whether they like it or not, because it's coming from Turkey. And Turkey just resells the oil. So, and that is also a loophole. So even though the European Union may have sanctions on Iran, it's still buying oil from Iran because it's, not, it's doing it indirectly. See, Turkey buys it and then resells it to the EU, right? Because everything goes through there. We all need to just take a step back and look down and realize what is really happening. Remember, Turkey has had the coup. You know... Uh, I was speaking with Scott Adams, who has uh, the Scott Adams show in the morning, and we were talking about it. He's like, didn't Obama at one point claim that, you know, uh, one of the people that he admired the most was the uh, was Turkey's Erdogan? And then, you know, they got a little bit tense. You know, this coup that happened, like I said, this coup that happened was to remind Turkey just because the United States is rebelling against the global elitists, don't get any funny ideas. Because we're here to remind you who owns you. And remember, the coup was actually orchestrated by the people that have been dropping all this cash to Turkey to build these pipelines, including the United States. It's incredible if you actually just stand back and take a look. We have our president is amazing. He's not only changed the way Americans feel about their country, realize and understand just how enslaved we were and how, in air quotes, I would say, obedient to what they dictate to us. He's done so globally. This is a global effect. I said that in 2015 when he announced his running. Whoa, we're going to see a global ripple of this because this is exactly what the world needs right now. It wasn't needed a year ago, wasn't needed a year later. It was the right moment. It was that tipping point where things were going south for states that signed on to the EU, for countries that are no longer sovereign. And look at Europe. They're on fire. England, France, uh, I was told that Belgium had an uproar, Ukraine, you know, they're under uh, martial law, pay attention, they are on fire, we are on fire, but we're just not setting things on fire because our president has finally been able to create those barriers to avoid money coming in to fund such things. No more of that money is coming in. No more of these paid protests. That money has to come out of who? The mainstream media, whatever's left of the Democratic Party, um, you know, um, Hollywood, everyone else who is still grasping on to that final thread of power and hoping that some miracle will occur and this will all go away. Remember last week, I spoke about um, us giving tons of money. I even wrote an article about it. Tons and tons of money to foreign countries. 50 billion, 5 billion, 50 million, 40 million here and there. 
And I've been saying, and I've been tweeting, and I've been repeating, we need to shut USA down. It was through that article where it was the part three of the Russiagate, where I talked about Brennan, talked about how he created Spygate, but I also made mention to draw attention to the former U.S. ambassador, um, John Teft, who was our ambassador in Russia, who was fired, who was colluding with the Russian government and a Russian national, who was working at our embassy that had access to classified information and even secret service information. He was fired in 2017. I made mention of that, but I also made mention that we need to pay attention to his daughter, his daughter who works for the state department, his daughter who is married to the former national security advisor of Obama, his daughter that heads USAID for Europe and the Middle East and Asia. USAID is an arm of the State Department that funds foreign countries to supposedly help them build their economy, promote democracy. We know what their democracy is like. USAID has been called out globally by nations that have felt the effects and actions of USAID. Ask the Libyans, ask the people of the, uh, you know, the Firum, ask Russia, ask, you know, Malaysia, ask countries in Africa. USAID is nothing but a washing machine that cleanses Soros and globalist money to kick it out to drive their agenda. Ask them how much money they've spent in Europe. We'll reconvene on that in the next um, half hour as well. We'll talk USAID. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. 
It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with My Pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever Okay, and welcome back. So, uh, just a reminder that, uh, at the top of the hour after my uh, top of the hour break, we will have Laura Loomer on where we will be discussing the hearing uh, that happened in regards to Islamic uh, regulation. And this is a real thing. Uh, she actually popped in and they were talking about different things. She'll tell you what she heard and how she couldn't really hear much. And I'll tell you what I found out um, from Washington when I asked what was really on the agenda. Uh, and we'll talk about um, what Ilhan Omar, uh, you know, decides that Congress is going to look like America. I, I don't see how she can tell us how America should look, considering she married her own brother to commit immigration fraud. But we'll get into that uh, for the full next hour with Laura Loomer. Uh, the phone lines will be open as well, so people can call in and talk to Laura, ask questions. Um, the number is 215-TOP-TALK. Uh, you can uh, call in. So now let's continue with USAID. We saw that Don Jr. tweeted out how, how are we giving all this money to Central America and Southern Mexico? How does the State Department, again, reiterating USAID, is an agency within uh, the State Department. It is a specific division that supposedly promotes, promotes uh, democratic values and helps stabilize countries. If you believe that, you believe anything. What business does an arm of the United States with our tax dollars have in any country telling them what is right and what is wrong? We've all seen that movie before. We should all take a look at what USAID does. Like I've said, since USAID has been in operation, we have provided millions globally to countries, and we have received so many complaints. Remember, Russia expelled USAID out of their country in 2012 because they were funding 
opposition. They were driving narratives and creating groups and factions within Russia to sway elections. The question is, how do people who work for USAID operate? I urge anyone that listens and is listening now to do your homework and see who these people are. Ask yourself, what happened with USAID in Albania? Years ago, we're talking eight, nine years ago, what happened with USAID in Venezuela? Who funded the caravan? Because if you actually look at the money, because it's all about following the money. Anyone talking about, you know, fluffy things like he said, she said, uh, he did this, he did that. Follow the money. It's there. See how the USAID department, the, uh, you know, they have audits annually. In 2016, they could not reconcile with the tre- with U.S. Treasury. And we're talking, you know, $3 billion worth, not chump change. So how is it that this area, this agency of our government is able to spend all our money and not give it for a big, beautiful wall? Why are they focusing on Central America and Southern Mexico? Why do we give Southern Mexico and Guatemala and Honduras and Costa Rica and Panama and Nicaragua all this money? What about us? Why are we funny? Shut it down, President Trump. Shut it down. All of you should be on Twitter and Facebook messaging the president. Shut USA down. We have no business funding anybody. No business. Shut it down. Shut it down. You know, he needs to hear that because your congressmen, your senators won't shut it down. Ask them how many trips they've had funded to these countries through USAID. And we're talking, especially the really loud ones, uh, hailing from South Carolina, which I've said again and again, South Carolina seems to be circling around a lot. I've said anything dirty is coming out of South Carolina. That's one of the hubs. Why is it? Do we need to look beneath the surface? We need to. We need to understand what's driving it. You know, yesterday, uh, if any of you were like me, To go to bed, you troll through uh, articles, um, tweets, and see things. And I saw something about South Carolina. And gosh darn it, I don't remember where I saved it. But I was just like, geez, another South Carolina thing? Wow. Incredible. I looked. I'm going to look around and find it. I'm missing it. And someone else, Scott Adams even saw it. I don't know what it was. But I'm sure Lindsey Graham does. Lindsey Graham, the most exposed deep stater ever. You know, he lifted that Kavanaugh sword. He put it up there real high and took a bullet to attract Republicans and patriots to support him. It was all a facade. Look what he's doing now. He's backing this Khashoggi thing that, like I said... Search it. Turkey isn't even shy about it. They paid to campaign. They paid to advertise his death. They paid to push it. Why? Because Turkey loses everything. Because if the United States stays in good relations with Saudi Arabia, 
then they lose. They lose money. They lose leverage over the EU. They lose Yemen. Because like I said, Yemen is needed. You know, Iran has a pipeline between Iran and Oman, and Oman needs a pipeline through Yemen. This is how they go around Saudi Arabia siphoning oil, black gold. No one's paying attention. And we have these clowns that we've elected to sit there and tippy-toe rather than hit it head on and tell it to you like it is. It's all about greed, it's all about power, it's all about oil, and it breaks down to the EU. Speaking of EU, did you guys see Juncker? Kind of took the same falls and wobbles about, just like Hillary Clinton. Maybe they have the same pathology. Maybe they're both sick, you know, because it's similar. Coughing, slipping, falling, people holding them. Just saying thought I'd throw that out there for people to see. You know, maybe he was really distraught how Merkel was like, it's all Trump's fault. Yes, it is. Because he, he, in a very subtle way, is telling the world just the way it is. He's telling people exactly what is going on. And when people realize, hey, Why don't you take a look and see how much USAID spent in Europe the past two years? Or you know what? Maybe even closer to those bombings. How about when Brexit was happening? Why don't you check their books? See how they don't reconcile. Why is that agency still open? We need to shut it down. Everyone should be out on every social media platform saying, shut down USAID. We don't need to be funding other countries. We need money for our wall. You know, with that money, cutting their money off from giving it away to other countries, which are none of our business, we have no obligation to provide money to Mexico, no obligation to provide money to Iran or Syria or Libya or Nicaragua. We don't have any business there. So why are we giving them money? Shut it down. Why can't we keep that money? Why can't we build walls? Why can't we create programs for our veterans? Why are we just giving it away? Soon, everyone will realize just how sinister this whole thing is. Sinister. We're not the referee of the world. I've said that. I actually got in a lot of trouble once in a meeting years ago, over a decade, maybe even two, oh my gosh, I'm showing my age, uh, where we were all sitting around a table discussing something. And I turned around and said, who made us the referee of the world? And I, I mean, all of them might've gotten whiplash so quick, their faces turned to me. And I was just like, just saying, I mean, we're putting a lot of effort in, you know, and you know, that was, the second to last meeting of those sorts that I attended. And it was very close to the time that I just cut clean. But, you know, you obviously can't speak the truth. Because as we know, you know, the person who speaks truth is the most hated. The most hated. People loathe them. Loathe them, but they also fear them for what they will expose. This is why our president is getting so much heat. He speaks truth, and he doesn't even speak it direct. You know, I sometimes wish that I could just sit on his shoulder 
when he's saying something and, and, and tell him, just say it like this. Just whip it out. Make your tongue that sword that decapitates right then and there. Just do it. But he doesn't. Because he's, he's learned what he can't and can say, you know, without ruffling too many feathers per se. So, again, think about it. Nobody is hated more than someone that speaks the truth. They will hate you. Look at when you, you know, confront a liberal and tell them, Two genders, you know, two scoops of ice cream, you know, two this, two that, that's it, and God bless the USA. They foam at the mouth. It's like you're, you're, you're exercising them. You give them facts, and they freak out. You know, this space command that everyone's mocking, did you notice how it's not part of NASA? Because NASA is privatized. Did you notice that? Not part of NASA, privatized. So it's separate. And it's not completely an arm of the military yet, but it will compete and it'll be part of SOCOM. Great. Because I want to see it as a branch. Think about it. Our president is telling us something and we're not paying attention. And he's getting a lot of resistance. You know, having children, one that's already joined the U.S. Armed Forces, I can tell you I would have loved for them to be part of U.S. Space Force. Loved it. And I'm like, oh, when you commission, please do it. Just let me live that through you because it would be awesome. Because I think what he is trying to tell us is something we won't realize for another 20 years. Kind of like how he tells us about spending all this money outside. He's trying to ease you into understanding the corrupt ways our government has been operating for decades. You know, do a quick search and find out when did USAID get established by the department, you know, by, by the foggy bottom, by the State Department. When did this end? They don't have that name, foggy bottom, for no reason. Why did they create it? What are they doing? How come for the past decade, every single audit shows deficits and cannot be reconciled? How are they claiming that they've gotten over $20 billion in cash and can't account for it? How are they having 50 cars on the books, but then, you know, when they're audited, there's only one? When did they sell it? Why are they buying properties overseas, apartment buildings? Who's living in these houses? Who's living there? Because I can tell you, and let's think back without me saying much, you know, I don't need any black vans coming up. Think what kind of purchases in Qatar were made, you know, in 2016. Where'd this money come from, USAID, that was poured into Qatar, that arose properties that were found by the auditor but not on their books? Who's running USAID? Who is this woman? How is she in charge of an agency that spends billions every year handing out our hard-earned tax dollars to foreign countries that can't, you know, seem to get her books in order for 10 years? Shut it down, shut it down, shut it down. That's what we need. We need everyone to get to social media and tell President Trump, shut USAID down. 
With that money, we can build a northern big, beautiful wall, too, not just the southern one. It'll be so beautiful that maybe we might even compete with the Chinese wall. <clears throat> because for anyone saying that walls don't work, it's like since forever, ever, ever, every big nation, and at that time, nations were smaller. They were the size of cities. What did they have? Walls. Big, beautiful, majestic walls that are still around 5,000 years later. Walls. You keep out disease. You keep out, you know, illegal things. Kind of like, okay, for us now, it's drugs. But for them, it was trafficking whores, right? Bringing in diseased individuals, right? bringing in contraband weapons, right? So this is the type of stuff that walls were keeping out and also defending themselves from radicals. You couldn't have people, you know, like with Troy, right? We couldn't have the Greeks just come in through the walls and walk through because then they'd rally up the people of Troy and then there would be a war from within. This is exactly why they want open borders. Nothing better than to drive an internal war with the millions of people that are pouring in through your border. And, you know, to be honest with you, I think it's very important that we pay attention to the northern border. That is very, very important that we pay attention to the northern border. Because Canada is a big problem. A lot of people aren't talking about it, but I can tell you that Canada is a huge problem. They are, okay, Canada is exactly where we were five years ago in regards to their politics, but they have progressed in regards to uh, the agenda, okay? They are falling. Trudeau is going to be like Macron soon, hiding out and giving speeches from, you know, skiffs. Because nobody is going and falling behind him, supporting what he's doing. We are seeing a big movement globally. Obviously, it's none of our business what other countries are doing. But just see what kind of effect our president has outside of our borders. Imagine if the mainstream media here got behind him for one split second. Just one. And told people one ounce of real information. Just one. Like what USAID is doing. Or how walls will be effective. Or how big of a problem child trafficking is. How much money is made out of that. <clears throat> there were a lot of indictments that were unsealed by the Department of Justice. And one of them that caught my eye was gentlemen that were bringing in children for the purpose of commercially selling these kids for sex. This is a real thing. And you know what I hate is people saying, it's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy until it happens to you. But I urge any of you that have extra time on your hands, that are retired or just not working, whatever, to reach out and try to talk to children that are in the foster system. You will hear stories that will haunt you at night. I spoke with one child who's in the foster system here in North Dakota, a child, still a child, who was brought in from Thailand. And, you know, this story hasn't even gotten a lot of uh, traction. She was brought in from Thailand by her uncle who had a resident um, visa. She went to school. 
And then suddenly he started to sell her, you know, at the house to do things from the age of six. And then he got tired of her whining and didn't want the responsibility of a, you know, school attendant. So he told the school that she went back to Thailand. But what he did was he sold her to another man, a man who was hubbing out in Montana and North Dakota. This little girl was found at one of these farm parties, half dead. She's now currently in the foster system, being fostered by great parents right now. And she's very strong to have spoken to me and listening to her story. It is incredible what these children have to put up with. This is just one of millions of examples that happen every day. Child trafficking is huge. And you know, when at the border they would separate parents and children, people are freaking out. And it's like, well, this guy comes in with six kids claiming they're all his. They could be a couple that pretend they're a couple because they have no paperwork coming in with four kids claiming they're theirs, and they're not. They're just there to be their cash. I sell this kid. I don't care about this kid. I get money, and I situate myself in the United States. That is reality. Drugs. Remember, we talked about this, how the Clinton, Bush 41, William Barr, Judge Roberts, right, and how Rosemary Collier, you know, from Colorado, kind of all fit in with this Mina cocaine stuff that came in. Remember, everyone was coked up in the 80s. Where did all this cocaine come from? So they coked everyone up. I mean, just looking at <coughs> dance videos, you could realize that they're high on something. I really don't even understand how anyone thought that actually was cool. But they were really coked up. They flooded the United States with coke, flooded it, created, you know, these low-level thugs that were selling it. Then they privatized the prisons, and then they rounded up all these low-level thugs that were pushing their own product to use them as slaves because it's cheap labor. You know, you're in prison. You do what I tell you. The new round is, you know, we're looking at methamphetamine, and uh, obviously prescription drugs. And one thing I would like to say, you know, I'm a conservative, but I want you all to see the Republican Attorney General Association. Do you know where they get the majority of their contributions? So first, it comes from something called the Judicial Crisis Network. Uh, just um, in 2016, they funded, you know, they donated over $2 million. Then it comes to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. They dumped almost $2 million. Then Las Vegas Sands? Hmm, curious, right? But then we just have a bunch of Blue Cross Blue Shield, Purdue Pharma. We could just keep going. Pay attention to who's funding these clowns that are regulating drug organizations, drug rings. That's what you need to focus on. You need to see who's, who's, where is the money? How many times do I have to say, follow the money and you will find the perps, you will find the people responsible. Kind of like, how's this? The Trump Foundation, right, received, you know, talking about charities and how everyone's bashing the Trump Foundation, received zero dollars from Russians. The Clinton Foundation received over $145 million in contributions from Russia. But Russia collusion, right? People are not really paying attention to what's going on, and it's and it's shocking. Um, but I know anyone that's listening is, and all of you contribute to this movement of creating 
this awareness that we have now, this pride that we have that comes with a vote, how incredibly astute we are to BS. We know when they're talking smack. We can call them out, but they don't like that. And they try to uh, tone it down, make it seem like it's no big deal. And keep driving their narrative because the more they just flood your TV, your radio waves, your social media with BS, at some point, subconsciously, you will just accept it as fact. Especially if you're one of those people that, you know, can't discern, do not use your noodle, and that you are passive to information or you're too busy with other things to care about politics because there's a lot of people that do that. And, you know, that's really unfortunate because we are the only country on this planet where we have full control of what goes on in our government and we don't exercise it. The only time we've exercised it was in 2016 when we elected that genius of a man, President Donald J. Trump. And when I say genius, it's because he used crowdsourcing. He empowered Americans. He empowered us to do this. We have to thank him for everything we see today, for this expose that's happening, the, the fact that we're realizing the, what the bigger picture really is. And Obama's legacy, that big turd of a legacy, because that's what it is, it's just a turd, is going to go down in history as the biggest fraud against people in the, in the world, in, in history. He'll make Henry VIII look like a baby because what he did was he was able to willingly allow you to forfeit your rights. He gave you that, that he facilitated that. And let's not forget, he promoted curbing speech. That's where we started to see politically correct terms and not using ISIS, but ISIL and, you know, fueling it. Free speech, almost non-existent. They're curbing everything. Facebook is putting out things telling me that they're going to filter the news for me. How can I opt out of that? I don't want you to tell me what I can and can't see. On that note, we will speak to someone who speaks the truth and is very hated, who has been banned from social media to talk to us about what's really going on. I'll see you guys soon after the break with, the, with Laura Loomer. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic. news. Real news. 
Welcome back, everyone. And we left on the note of how much people hate the person that speaks truth. Uh, we have with us now and hopefully regularly on Wednesdays, uh, Laura Loomer, uh, who, as you all know, uh, has been banned from social media, uh, has been collectively silenced uh, by the mainstream media. No one will mention anything that she does because she is boots on the ground. She is what America needs. She is waking America up to what's going on. And now that we have, uh, you know, this going on with uh, General Flynn and Turkey, we have to remember who Gulen is. Gulen started in the 90s going around the world preaching Islam to tell people how in the Western areas how important it is to accept Islam, to accept a, a, a religion of peace. And remember, he has a very cozy relationship with the Clintons and Obama. So, Laura, can you hear me? I can hear you. Thanks Excellent. for having me. Yeah, oh, always, always. Uh, you know, everyone is waiting to hear from you uh, what has been going on on the front. Uh, you know, I did mention uh, to everyone how there was a Islam regulation hearing being done. Uh, you went to it, uh, kind of fell flat. Uh, what I was told, it was to regulate Islam within our uh, halls of Congress and Senate and how we respond to it. Um, and this kind of ties in with what Ilhan Omar said, that when she swears into Congress, what? We're going to see what America's supposed to look like. So I'd like you to... Um, I tell everyone your thoughts, and keep in mind, Laura is happy to take your questions. Uh, you can call it 215-TOP-TALK uh, if you'd like to ask her any specific questions. So tell us, uh, Laura, what's going on with Ilhan now? Right, so Ilhan Omar, of course, is one of the, well, one of two of the first Muslim women elected to Congress. She, of course, and then the other one is Rashida Tlaib from uh, Michigan. She's a Palestinian woman, and Ilhan Somali. And these women are set to be officially, I guess, uh, have their official ceremony uh, and induction into Congress on January 3rd. So the reason this is problematic is because if you look at these women and their background, well, you know, where do you start? They both have ties to terrorism. Both of these women are backed by CARE, which is, of course, the, the Council on American-Islamic Relations designated terrorist organization in UAE. And they were found during the Holy Land Foundation terrorism trial to be uh, giving money to uh, Hamas, which is a terrorist organization. Uh, if you look at Ilhan as an individual, she voted against legislation that would have made female genital mutilation a felony. Uh, there is evidence that, uh, that supports uh, claims that she married her biological brother uh, to commit immigration fraud so he could get a green card. Uh, she voted against legislation to halt uh, insurance payments to the uh, families of terrorists, right, for the, the pay-to-slay program. Right. So this is a woman who practices an ideology and has values that run counter to that of America, values that are completely incompatible with the United States Constitution. And it's rather scary because the Democrat Party and a lot of the far left, they're trying to make her and people like Ocasio-Cartez the new darlings of Congress, right? They're trying to create these women into inspirational figures and kind of the face of 
of this new movement. I, I of course, have, have called them the Hamas caucus because of their liking for Hamas and their unwillingness to condemn Hamas. If you recall, I traveled to Minnesota and did extensive on-the-ground investigative reporting into Ilhan's campaign and Keith Ellison's as well. And when I confronted Ilhan and asked her if she would condemn Hamas, she refused. Of course, right? of course. This is a lady who also has tweeted that she believes that Israel is evil and just last week was mocking Vice President Mike Pence for his faith. Yes, yes. And, and not only that, she said, well, he'll see what Congress is, what America looks like. So what does America look like? Because I think she's referring to her imposition of bringing religion into the House of Congress, uh, you know, by way of wearing the hijab when we haven't let other religions wear their headgear. I mean, that is a big deal. I, I think that's a very big deal. Yeah, yeah no, it's. It's a big deal because we have this rule in Congress for, for many years now, since the beginning of time um, in this country, where headgears were uh, were not allowed, right? And it's interesting because, you know, this is the first time we're, we have Muslims in Congress, which is problematic because they believe in an ideology, Sharia, which is incompatible with our uh, United States Constitution, but the Jews and the Christians never asked for exceptions regarding the headgear rules. And there are practicing Jews in Congress. And the thing about it is, you know, why is it that we are now bending over backwards? And it's not just in this country. We're seeing it all around the world in all types of institutions, whether they're political, educational, you know, entertainment industry, food industry. People are starting to make exceptions for Muslims. And I just don't think that – what does that say to us as a country if we are allowing – for Muslims to subvert and infiltrate our political system, and then we change our rules and our regulations uh, to impose Sharia in the halls of Congress. And right. people may not think that it's a big deal to allow for her to wear her hijab, but once you start allowing for things like this to take place, right, it's, it's progressive. Yeah, so take an inch, get a something mile. Something small happens. And right. eventually, when you have a bunch of small things, little changes that people make excuses for and say, oh, it's not a big deal, it's so tiny, it's such a small little change, well, eventually then you completely erode uh, your culture, you erode the fabric of your society, you erode what makes America, America. And after several years of this or a couple of generations, then you become unrecognizable because then you, as a society, have allowed for so much change to take place that you don't even have any original foundation, no identity. You lose who you are. And then you see uh, what is now happening in Europe will happen here. You have this, uh, you know, transformation, a complete, uh, you know, transformation of, of – of identity and and culture, and that's what's taking place. You have cultural cultural and political transformations taking place in the world, especially in Europe, places like Sweden, France, Germany, the UK, where they have experienced and allowed for mass Islamic immigration to occur. Right, and that circles back to what the European Union was saying uh, over five years ago when Turkey was trying to enter into the EU, where they said, you know, you you subscribe to Islam, and that's uh, that doesn't agree with with the EU ideology, and bringing you in may cause issues. So this was only five years ago, and this is why Turkey hasn't become part of the EU. But now. Paris doesn't look like Paris. You know, Frankfurt doesn't look like Frankfurt. And just like you said, they've been 
completely invaded and overtaken where they don't have an identity. There are more kebab shops than there are croissant shops in Paris. And it's not bad to integrate, but it's what is integration and what is invasion. And like you said, she wants the hijab, which a lot of people will be like, oh, it's no big deal. Well, you take an inch and you take a mile after that. And I completely agree. And her comments, you know, and protesting with Amazon workers to be given time to pray is incredible. Like you said, it's like we're bending over backwards just for them when we haven't bent over backwards for anyone else. You know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they don't, they don't, they don't ever want to assimilate and just take for this, this example. So Ilhan Omar this week, she was protesting with workers from Amazon. Amazon, you see Jeff Bezos, he advocates for all of this mass immigration. And then he tries to hire a lot of these low skilled immigrants who are coming into his factories because he wants to make a big deal about, Oh, look at me. I'm a rich white guy and I'm giving, I'm giving jobs to brown people, right? That's his, that's his whole shtick. Well, now there are so many Muslims at the Amazon plant in Shakopee, Minnesota, that they are completely uh, destroying the factory itself by, by making it an Islamic a mosque. I mean, let's just, let's just uh, get to the point. The Amazon factory in Minnesota, in Shakopee, is turning into a mosque because you have these workers. They already converted the conference room into a prayer room. They had to put prayer rugs all throughout the factory because – there's so many Somalis there, and they are now claiming that they are not treated fairly at work because they're not allowed to pay, pray five times a day on the clock. So these, these Muslims now are demanding, with the help of Ilhan Omar, their representative, that they get paid to take at least five or six breaks a day so that they can pray, right? And, and, and they already got shift changes uh, during, during Ramadan. It's like they want an entire Islamic workplace. And they said, this is something that Ilhan Omar said during the protest. She said that their dignity, the dignity of the Muslims working there, is not being uh, upheld because they have to work and they're not able to get paid for praying while they wrap Christmas presents. So do you see how problematic this is? We are a Judeo-Christian society, right? And you have these Muslims who are coming to our country, and they're trying to say that they need to get uh, reparations for working during Christmas or the holiday season. They're not even working on Christmas. They are they are touching Christmas presents and sending packages to people, and they think that it's a violation of their rights. Because what does the Quran say? Well, the Quran the Quran advocates for the killing of Jews and Christians. Right. And I mean, this is absurdity. This is absolute absurdity that Muslims are now demanding that they get uh, like five or six paid breaks a day because, of course, in Islam you have to pray, you have to pray five times a day. And then on top of that, on top of that, they want reparations for having to touch Christmas presents. Yeah, and, and the thing is that they're trying to uh, change every facet of what makes us America. Uh, I believe, you know, the, the, the concern that we have is that they're imposing things. You know how in Sweden, in France, uh, you know, now the courts have found that it's okay, you know, if because it's a cultural thing to marry or have, you know, or copulate or have coitus with a child. Because it's a religious thing. You know, this is incredible. Uh, When has that ever been okay? And, you know, how do you have a culture uh, that supports these things? How do you have them impose it on us? We're supposed to be the free beacon of the world. We're supposed to show that everyone can get along without everyone imposing things on each other. And yet here we are 
allowing them to come in and impose things and change our country. The reason this was founded was so that nobody can impose things and that we keep church and state separate. And here we are making the exception to bring a church, the Church of Islam, into our country. And uh, for me, that is very disheartening for the direction we're going. I mean, it was just ruled that female genital mutilation, you know, it wasn't a crime because it's a cultural thing. Wasn't it in Michigan, right, that that happened? That was incredible. Right. I mean, Ilhan Omar is just driving this. And, you know, I was very disheartened to see that there was a piece on CNN. Uh, advocating for what she was saying about Jewish people and how Zionists and and Jewish people blurring the lines, you know, I'd like you to talk about that because that's important that people understand just how uh, anti-Semitism has grown and how the mainstream media is actually fueling it. Right. So, so we're also witnessing alongside the infiltration and subversion of our government by Muslims, a growing wave of, of Jew hatred, right? And I don't even like to use the word anti-Semitism, really, because now the Muslims are trying to uh, hijack the term anti-Semitism for themselves to include themselves. But if you look at the biggest uh, you know, promoters of, of, let's just use the term, anti-Semitism, well, it's Muslims. It's not the Nazis. It's not white supremacists, it's Muslims, right? And there's no coincidence that in places in Europe like France and Germany, the UK, and even Sweden, where there is increasing amounts of Jew hatred and Jews are now fleeing and making aliyah to Israel because they're so worried about their own safety and their livelihoods in Europe as Jews simply for existing, well, those are all places, well, surprise, they are importing massive amounts of dangerous Muslim immigrants. And, well, it's happening here in America, too. We're seeing an increase in hate crimes against Jews, uh, incidents where people are uh, spray painting and committing vandalism by by posting swastikas. Uh, We're seeing attacks in the street on Orthodox Jewish men uh, in in places like New York City and other places where Muslims are feeling very emboldened and they're attacking these people, shouting Allahu Akbar. Uh, We're seeing Muslims... uh, come to synagogues during Hanukkah and threaten to uh, to kill more Jews. Just in Aventura, which is in Miami, uh, about a week and a half or two weeks ago, a Muslim man uh, disrupted a Hanukkah ceremony, and he tried to, uh, well, he tried to destroy the menorah outside and vandalize the synagogue, and then he was uh, very belligerent and shouted, six million Jews wasn't enough. And, of course, he's referencing the six million Jews who died in the Holocaust. And this is why it is so problematic when you import or welcome Muslims into your country. Now just imagine, right, that's, that's importing people to live in your country. Now imagine the consequences of electing Muslims to positions of government, people like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, who have publicly said Israel is evil, who have publicly said that Israel does not have a right to exist, who have publicly refused to condemn Hamas, the terrorist organization which kills Jews, and rewards people for doing so while they were on video, right? We are going to have a serious crisis in this country. And I was just having this conversation with some of my Jewish friends the other day, and we were saying how who would have ever thought that the United States would, uh, you know, post-Holocaust be an unsafe place for Jews to live. And now we are now in this time where the this country is becoming increasingly unsafe for not only Jews but Christians to live. Right. And I mean, just do you Americans. Think, do you think that you're... 
Right. Do you think that Ilhan and Rashida are going to be receptive or helpful to Jewish constituents in their district? No, because they don't believe that Jews and Christians even have a right to exist. And while they may not even publicly say this, some they kind of have. If you dig in their interviews and you look at the language and the people they associate with, people like Linda Sarsour, who, you know, by the way, campaigned with both of those women and is now under fire for her, her anti-Semitism, well, her Jew hatred that has been exposed, uh, you know, a few right. weeks ago. She was saying Jews don't even deserve to be humanized, right? It's right. going to be a, a serious problem. It is, it it's is. It's going to be a serious problem. And, and then you have Keith Ellison in Minnesota, who is now the attorney general. Well, he's supposed to be the top cop. You have a Muslim who is now the top cop in Minnesota. How do you think that's going to work out? Yeah, uh, and, and the thing is, people don't seem to understand that it's not just the people that they're electing into office. Because I have no idea how Minnesota went from Minnesota to Minnesota Stan. Uh, you know, it could be from a company called Lutheran Social Services. The majority of these people coming in from Somalia, coming in from these nations um, with these programs, um, have been brought to the Midwest. And I think that was a strategy, uh, you know, to um, Islamify the Midwest, which is the Bible Belt, I would say, you know, uh, for the United States. The Midwest is who elected Donald Trump. And so, you know, infiltrate that area is big. I mean, I, I reside in a state that's considered a red state, right? North Dakota is supposed to be one of the reddest states possible. You know, Fargo is becoming Fargo Stan. Remember, we, you and I were working together on that Muya Osman Muya case. Um, right. Yeah, where yeah. this 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 um, person in Fargo was indicted in court in September for having uh, had sex uh, with a minor. And the minor was 13 and four, two children, 13 and 14-year-old girls in Fargo. And he had been caught on camera in the mall putting his hands down the pants of a 13-year-old. And this guy was 21 years old. But because he came from Somalia, this Muslim immigrant came and was enrolled into the West Fargo High School. And so he was in right. a school with children aged 12 to 18 uh, that was easy pickings for him. So he raped these two girls, and this was done in March, right, of, uh, of, of last year, uh, of 2018. He raped them in March, and guess what? He still stayed in school to graduate because the police couldn't even get a DNA sample because cultural because Lutheran Social Services stymied this. They have lawyers, like you wouldn't believe, using the race card, using the anti-Muslim card to stymie everything, and they weren't able to get his sample to match it to the girls. And what's incredible is, is that the police didn't even tell the school because it might be construed as racism or ousting someone for their religion. At what point does your religion have anything to do with crime? This is just, again, another, you know, way of us showing how we're bending over backwards and allowing them to break the law and not talk about it because someone might say that we're being racist because they're immigrants or they're Muslims. And that's incredible. I mean, we're seeing a trend like that. Right. Yeah. You know, there's so many trends yeah. like that. I am, I, yeah, you know, it's, it's so what do you foresee having Ilhan Omar going into Congress like you know, I, I wanted us to, like, before we go into the break, kind of set the tone of what you foresee happening, uh, you know, in our halls of Congress with these two women coming in, 
and disrupting what America really is because their message is we're going to show you what America should look like, which is a threat to every single foundation. What do you think? Well, Americans need to be protesting this. There needs to be mass protests, and people need to uh, let them know that we're going to be fighting back. We can't just lay down and allow for these women to come in and sabotage our country and infiltrate our political systems. And uh, we need to raise awareness about the Jew hatred. I, I really hope – it's really disturbing, actually, to see so many Jews vote Democrat, and then none of the Democrats are condemning these jihadis, right? I mean, you have – imagine this, okay? The Democrats are welcoming these women in, and the Saudis, the Saudis of all people, are ringing the alarm on these women. The Saudis are having articles talking about how these women are tied to Qatar, they're tied to the Muslim Brotherhood, you know, they're they're getting puff pieces written about them by Al Jazeera. Al Jazeera, of course, is propaganda for the Qataris, which went on this this complete anti anti Jew uh, campaign, very anti Jewish in the way that they report. And, uh, I mean, even the Saudis are calling these women out as Muslim Brotherhood operatives. It's, it's, it is so alarming that even the Democrats are not, you know, they're, they're not saying anything about this. Right. They're just accepting it. Right. And a little bit of history, you know, Saudi Arabia, the kingdom of Arabia, basically, um, had uh, many meetings, and we're talking hundreds of years ago, with the Ottoman Empire rise and fall of, uh, the, you know, the 13, 1400s. And they decided as an Islam nation that, you know, we cannot have, we have to coexist. And that was something that Saudi Arabia right. set the tone with. Yeah. And Qatar has literally jumped onto the global ship. You know, and even with Khashoggi's um, wannabe pretend fake uh, wife or fiance, she was tied to Oman. You know, Oman, which is siphoning oil to Iran, which Iran is then giving to Turkey, which then Turkey is selling to the EU. Like they are all surrounding. Saudi Arabia is literally the voice of reason in a nation of Islam. And that should tell you more than you need. And. You know, these are people that have golden toilets. They have everything to lose by doing that. And they're the only ones that actually facilitate communications with Israel, which is yeah. incredible. Exactly. Incredible, you know. Um, so what we're seeing is fanatic Muslims coming out and um, pockets of insurgents that, you know, our country paid for under the Obama administration and the Bush administration. We funded Hamas. Yeah. We funded Hezbollah. You know, and now we have people within our own country – advocating for these groups which is pure insanity um i yeah have well you have care you have care which is one of the biggest uh the biggest groups advocating for this and their office is a block away exactly from, you know exactly and um from the white house exactly and that that is that is incredible i mean do we have such offices you know for jews for christians for buddhists we don't have such things we don't have uh, uh, people that influence. I mean, Broward County is tied, you know, in Florida with CARE. They work together. They fund so many things. Uh, but, you know, obviously Florida has been in the news a lot. Uh, a lot has happened just in that county, which nobody finds suspect. Nobody? I mean, look how, how much disaster and havoc has been wreaked. You know, look at how, you know, in that county itself they claim that the police 
don't have a duty to protect students. And, you know, look at who's infiltrated that sheriff's department. It's people of care. You've exposed that. You showed that. How care is yeah. tied into the law well, enforcement. Well, I don't know why. I don't know why people, and they, they lie about it, despite the fact that there's evidence, right? People just deny it. They lie. They don't want to admit it, you know? Yeah, they don't. They never want to admit uh, when they're wrong. They never want to admit uh, when there's facts there because it was all part of the plan. Remember, Gulen, like I've said, for over 20 years has been advocating to um, relax people into the idea of having Islam be part of the Western civilization. He's done speeches, books, and written about it. So one has to think, this was always part of the plan? What is going on here, and how are these people entering our halls of Congress and telling us that they will change the face of America? Uh, so we're going to uh, head off to a quick three-minute break, and we will be taking calls on 215-TOP-TALK. Um, please call in and ask Laura any question you may have, and we'll reconvene on Ilhan Omar and her statements um, after the break. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855 855- 729-78. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. MyPillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. MyPillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. MyPillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code REDSTATE. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. So we're back, and we have Laura Loomer on and, sh- and discussing Islam and uh, how it fits into the United States. Um, I wanted to say Laura brought up some really good points um, in regards to how we can have uh, Muslims in America, uh, you know, kind of uh, come into office and integrate. Um, can their ideologies actually integrate um, with what American values are? I mean, their foundation, their actual religion is uh, very contradictory to what our nation should stand for. So the question is, you know, yes, come in, fine, be a Muslim, uh, serve our country, but why are you bringing your ideology into our halls of Congress? This is the question. We can't drive our laws. We can't um, vote on legislation. We can't propose legislation. We can't uh, create more transparency in uh, favor of the United States if um, you subscribe so strictly to your religion because you have to choose at that point. Do you wear your hijab once you enter the halls of Congress or do you park it outside and separate church and state? And obviously what we're seeing now is that we have people coming in with complete disregard to that rule, that they come in as American citizens and make decisions on behalf of the people who voted for them. And this is not what's happening. Um, Laura, you were in Minneapolis and you spoke with both of the candidates that were elected in Minnesota. And, you know, Pew Research shows that um, it wasn't only uh, Muslims uh, and, you know, refugees that have come uh, from these um, Islam nations uh, in Minnesota that voted for them, but also the uh, far left and um, those that subscribe to anti-Semitism or Jew hatred, basically. Um, what do you What do you remember from when you saw them, for when you went there, aside from them not condemning Hamas, uh, what do you foresee, you know, if they can't leave their religion at the door when they enter to help formulate legislation, help formulate uh, policies for our nation. What do you foresee happening? Well, I see the overall, like progressively in a few years, I see the implementation of an Islamic caliphate. And that sounds extreme to some people, but that's honestly what their goal is. These are women who are supported by the Muslim Brotherhood. And the Muslim Brotherhood, there's a document that was obtained by the FBI in a raid in Annandale, Virginia in 2003 called the Explanatory Memorandum. And if you haven't read the Explanatory Memorandum, you need to read it. Because the Explanatory Memorandum is their plan. It's the Muslim Brotherhood plan to really implement an Islamic caliphate here in this country. And they talk about how they're going to take steps to subvert and infiltrate 
our American political, educational, social institutions to accomplish their goals, right? And it's rather scary. And that's what they that's what they want to do. And and like I said, they're going to keep advocating for more pro Sharia elements in our governments and in our societies if we allow them to keep gaining power. And I don't understand how these women are able to even serve and hold office in this country when they themselves support terrorist organizations that our United States government recognizes and has declared are terrorist organizations. Like, come on. Yeah, exactly. And and that's that's a concern. Like, I'm a Christian. So if I was ever elected into Congress and there was something that went against my Christian faith, but, uh, you know, or whichever, and I had to make that decision, am I voting for America or am I voting for the Christians? I would have to vote for America because this is why I'm there, right? Same thing goes for uh, those that are Jewish. Obviously, as a person, as a whole, you would say that my beliefs and my um, religious beliefs and, and core values should be translated into that vote. But when my religious belief or my core values are completely contradictory to the foundations of a nation, I, I can't do that because that would be a violation of trust invested in me. And so here are women that are reluctant to leave their religion at the door when they enter that means that they will be a hundred percent not even reluctant right not even just reluctant they are openly they're advocating not for it or serving as american representatives they are putting their islam their their muslim faith their so-called faith their ideology out front i'm a muslim i'm a palestinian i'm the first muslim this well here in american we're just americans right exactly regardless of whether you're christian or jewish but the muslims are the only individuals who have refused to accept this, they've refused to assimilate, and they refuse to refer to themselves simply as Americans in their positions of power. Notice when they speak, it's always about Islam and the fact that they're Muslim and how being a Muslim shapes their identity and how it's going to impact their policies, right? And that's and that's scary. That. Yeah, no, that's scary because that is well, the reason that we created the United States in the first place. Why our forefathers found this was to escape uh, um, prescribed ideologies, uh, you know, from the Queen of England to enforcing laws based on religion or dictation by monarchs. Uh, here we are in 2018, you know, over 300 years down the line where we're reversing everything that they started, which was to separate church and state, which was to keep the core Christian values, Judeo-Christian values, right? Judeo-Christian values, um, which were for moral basis in making decisions. How do you bring in a religion to join in to these values that contradict what they've been taught. They've been taught to take over the world. They've been taught to infiltrate. You know, we've seen so much Takia going around. It's it's incredible. They will say anything. And you know, um, Muslims, strict Muslims, Sharia-abiding Muslims, uh, hate Ilhan Omar, one, because she's a woman and doing this, but two, respect her because her Takia is off the charts. Am I right? Uh, what she is yeah, doing. But, yeah, but the thing is, is in Islam, it's required. You're not just allowed to. You're required to lie as a Muslim to non-Muslims to advance your cause. So that's why Ilhan claims she's pro-abortion. 
that's why she lied to the Jews and said that she was anti-BDS. And then, of course, after being elected, she comes out in favor of BDS. As a Muslim, you're allowed to lie. Just like Linda Sarsour said she was going to help the victims of the synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh. Well, what did she do? She raised $400,000 and gave like 90% of the money to a jihadi-tied mosque instead of the Jews. Muslims are supposed to lie in order to help advance the cause of their their agenda. And what's shocking is, is how is she able to take the oath of office when she's openly supported terrorist organizations? Kind of like the same argument I'm making about the attorney general in New York, who's clearly the, the incoming one, who's clearly stated that she will weaponize her office to literally give a thorough, thorough legal colonoscopy to everyone in the Trump family and find a crime. Basically, she's going to probe them until she finds anything. So how is she allowed to take the oath? Like, we have people that are using their offices for other reason than to serve the public. So how is she allowed yeah, to swear in? Exactly. It's a violation. And President Trump, he's president. He should be stepping in and saying something about this. Congress should be doing something. But they're not. And it kind of just makes me wonder, you know, because we can shout and scream all we want and report on this issue, but, you know, it just seems like the people in power are kind of allowing this to happen. And, and you know that— and you're right. They are yeah. abuses. It's abuse of power. It is. It is. It's weaponizing your office. She's clearly made it— um, she's said it loud and clear. Uh, when I go to Congress, I'm going to show you what America should look like. Are you telling me that you are going to impose your religion— um, using your office to impose it, using your office and your voice to do it, yes. that's weaponizing your office yes. for a purpose other than that to serve the American public. We have a lot of these people that are coming in saying the same thing, you know, and it's not just about bringing jihad, bringing Sharia. Uh, you know, we have that attorney general in New York doing the same. How are people that are weaponizing their offices literally violating laws because it's a, it's a felony to do so? misuse of public office right it is but right. like i said it's about accountability somebody needs to hold them accountable and look we're not even hillary clinton and james comey they're not even being held accountable and this is what we were promised we were promised these people would get locked up but you know, I, I believe that they will. Made aren't being they're they're trying to be kept, and I think as in regards to Clinton, Comey, Brennan, the whole nine yards, it's all going to come together because it's very sensitive um, in regards to how to maneuver it. Because right now we have to, you know, appreciate the fact that our president has an administration in in you know that is not supported by a clean cut uh, Department of Justice serving the people, but serving alternative, uh, you know, interests. We have an intelligence community that's corrupt, an FBI that's corrupt, you know, that are serving alternative, um, you know, uh, interests other than that of law, justice, order, and fairness. Um, but the thing is, where are the people? Where is everyone that came out to the polls and voted for President Trump to say, stop? These people have, uh, you know, voice that they are going to weaponize their office. Didn't Ocasio tell – who did she tell? Did she say it to Mike Cernovich that she's going to su throw subpoenas when she gets into Congress or something like that? Um, no, she said it to Don Jr. Right. Don Jr. Right. That's it. And um, she's, she's claiming that she's going to weaponize her office. Like these people are literally telling you. Hey, when I get in, I'm going to use my office to do X, Y, and Z, which serves zero interest of the people, but serves interest that I have and for the people or the cabal that voted for me. 
So how do we fix that? Right. What do we do about that, Laura? How do we get people to understand that this, what they're saying is illegal and we should be able to stymie them from being able to swear in because that's a pre-violation of the oath of office right there and their intention coming in. Well, how do we, we fix this? We need more grassroots activity. We need people, we need conservatives to organize like the left organizes to make big demonstrations about it. And I would say also take to social media and call your representatives. But unfortunately, we're seeing this purge, this mass purge and, and colluded uh, effort by big tech social media companies to silence conservatives who speak out about this. I mean, I was banned. Yeah, I was permanently banned by yeah. Twitter and then banned for 30 days by Facebook for criticizing Ilhan Omar posting facts about her, right? Well, you know, um, so. Facebook also banned um, Netanyahu's son, didn't they? They did, and yeah, but of course, you know, if you are a terrorist organization like Hamas or Muslim Brotherhood, you're allowed to have Facebook and Twitter, and they do. They have, they have uh, verified accounts. Exactly, and that's, and that's incredible how that happens. It's incredible how they're allowed to do this, how they're able to just, you know, take over and silence us. And, you know, I think a lot of conservatives, those people that came out and voted for our president, that, that you know, in the droves, because remember, he won a rigged election. It was rigged against him, and he still won. So where are all these people? Yes, they're on social media. Yes, they're silencing us. So what do we do? Do we take to the streets? I mean, uh, you know, unfortunately, unlike the left, most people work. So people will say, well, I want to, but I have a job. So how do we organize? That's something that we all well, need to the left, think. The left works, too. The left works, too. It's just the left is better funded and organized. Look, the thing about the left is they have a lot of people who pay for activism and grassroots work. So a lot of those people on the left work. They have jobs and families just like conservatives, too. But you have people like Soros and other liberals and progressives and left-wing organizations that are funding these people. I mean, they're paying people $15 an hour to protest, and we're seeing them give envelopes of cash to people outside the Kavanaugh hearings. Right. How come conservatives aren't paying people, right? Where are the conservative billionaires who have money who aren't going to step up and fund the grassroots organizers and activists and journalists, right? We need people to start paying on our side. And paying, not so much. I mean, why would we pay to come out? Like, no one paid us to go vote like they paid Democrats. But we need people to, to get out there. Kind of like what I was saying in my first hour. Everybody needs to tweet, a Facebook, a message, the president of the United States. Send him a Christmas card that says, you know, shut down USAID. Don't let, uh, you know, the uh, Ilan Omar, uh, you know, swear into Congress because she, you know, said she was going to weaponize her office. Don't let Ocasio do it. She was going to weaponize your office don't let the ag do it you guys have to find ways to communicate when they try to silence us uh, they're not winning they're losing and this is why they're pulling these drastic measures of silencing and not even hiding it like they're not even embarrassed of what they're doing they're doing it so in your face and they're just like deal with it we're in charge and it's like all right we'll be patient for now. I mean, now people can find you, Laura, on Gab or Parlay or um, through your website, and hopefully you'll be a regular here so people can ask questions. I have Scott on the line that wanted to kind of uh, converse with you, Laura. Uh, Scott, can you hear us? Scott, are you there? 
Is he there? Oh, uh, oh, I just had my mute button on. But yes, Excellent. can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. You're speaking with Laura. <laughs> welcome to Red State Talk Hi, Radio. <laughs> You're always welcome. You know, I was Thank listening you. to the Ocasio-Cortez uh, remarks, and it's like, first she has to get back from vacation <laughs> before she actually then goes and attacks Don Jr. Uh, and Nadler, you know, was picked up by Molly Hemingway talking about impeaching Kavanaugh, impeaching the president on what? What's the U.S. code that they're going after? What What is the U.S. code that Flynn violated? What is the U.S. code uh, that's going on here that's related to Russian collusion? I can think of several that are related to Hillary Clinton and the whole deep state cabal. But uh, what Mueller is going after, there's no U.S. code. Yeah, I mean, they're they're violating rules. It seems like people are they're just making up policies and they're making up they're making up controversy to ruin people's lives. And uh, you're you're absolutely right. It's funny that you said that because I've heard the same thing from many people. Like they're not really explaining. It seems like everybody on the right who hasn't even done a fraction of what people on the left, people who should be investigated and people who sh- who should be prosecuted, have have done. People like Comey and Hillary and and Bill and Chelsea and Huma Abedin, Anthony Weiner, right? They're not being held uh, and investigated with the same level of scrutiny. And it is a political witch hunt, and that's why this is so dangerous, is because now you have elected officials who are yep. coming together and they're openly saying that they're going to weaponize their uh, their positions to take down the president and his family and Republicans. And like Tori said, that's a crime. You're not allowed to do that. But where's the accountability? Yeah, right? I have the I mean, U.S. code for so that. The people yeah. can do. There's only so much the people can do, right? We don't have this authority to prosecute people, but we can we can make noise all we want. But where are the people who are in positions of power to do this, right? I want to know what the people who are advising the president are telling the president what to do. I want to know why the House Republicans are not being aggressive enough, right? I These are the people who need to be held accountable. And maybe it's time. Maybe it's time for Republicans to be more critical of our own officials and representatives because I don't feel like they're doing the job that they should be doing. Yeah, they're corrupt. Well, you know, if you take a look at what how Trump handled Chuck Schumer, basically Chuck said elections have consequences, and his response was so quick and so agile, and he basically said, yeah, that's why America is doing so great. That same guy that actually is the counterpuncher that we know him to be is doing the counterpunching, but he's selecting the timing of his own choosing. And, and I really believe that, you know, I get a lot of listeners today that are all up in arms and concerned and worried. And even uh, they were, you know, talking about different show hosts that were, you know, like even Ann Coulter or someone like that that was basically saying, you know, he's caving on the wall. He's not caving on the wall. He has about five different ways to get funding for the wall. And uh, and everybody's worried about what Nancy Pelosi or Nadler is going to do or Cummings or what the House is going to do. They got nothing. They got no U.S. code. And so I texted back to this one, one listener, and I said, Trump's turned his back on Lindsey Graham, which is uh, bad for the deep state. Look at Syria as a tea leaf and a pivot. Trump will be busy over the next two years with Russia treaties, North, Co- North Korea resolutions, and China trade. Pelosi, B.S., will be completely irrelevant to this agenda. You know, wall funding is going to be gotten. But, you know, he's going to be busy with judges. He's going to be busy with 
his American first genitive, which is basically to treat the deep state like he's treated ISIS. You know, he's pulling out of Syria because he defeated ISIS. And Lindsey Graham, he turned his back on Lindsey Graham. There's a lot happening today. Loretta Lynch is testifying. Comey testified. We got this stuff in the books. This is, there's a lot to be proud of. There's a lot to be happy about. And given the choice, if you were to lose the 2016 election and win the House, I guarantee you you would have it so you get Trump in 2016 and lose to Nancy Pelosi, who's going to be completely feckless. Well, I just want to chime in on this. You know how you keep saying we, they don't have a code? And Laura, and you are both right. There is no code for all these claims they have against you know, Republicans or President Trump. But I have a code, U.S. Code 181017, government seals wrongfully used and instrument wrongfully sealed. It's actually a felony. So if it literally states that whoever fraudulently or wrongfully affixes or impresses a seal of any department or agency of the United States – um, you know, uh, who upon any certificate, instrument, commission, document, or paper with knowledge of it is fraudulent in character with wrongful or fraudulent intent, uses, buys, procures, sells, transfers to any such certificate, instrument, commission, you know, is, 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 is going to be imprisoned with more than five years. So this is the, the law. That that governs what the attorney general in New York, um, you know, stated how they're going to use uh, their office to uh, attack the Trump family. This is the law that we can use against Ocasio saying she's going to start, you know, issuing subpoenas. Uh, this is the law we can use against, you know, Ilhan Omar. Uh, for saying that she's going to use her office to show us what America should look like. Uh, you know, uh, I have uh, so many um, grievances to put forward. I write to people every day. It doesn't matter if I fill up their inbox. That's what people need to do. Rather than be on Twitter and share trains, talk, say the things that we need to say, Trump's already given the hint to us. He said we're spending a lot of money and giving a lot of money to countries, but we can't fund the wall. And like I've said, that agency of the State Department giving the money is USAID. We need to shut it down. That is what we need because USA funded this whole caravan. Prove me wrong. I dare anyone to prove me wrong. Um, Laura, we have someone um, on the line um, uh, about uh, they're a former military officer, uh, and they want to um, have a question for – they have a question for you, so I'll just bring them on. Okay, great. Hi, Janet. Uh, this is Sid. I'm sorry. You're probably sorry. pulling sorry. pulling up the ID on the phone. Sorry. Uh, this is uh, this is Sid. I'm I'm um, a former combat arms officer for the United States Army. I was an armor branch, and uh, uh, as far as dedication, the the people in combat arms are the ultimate. And one of the things that is near and dear to the heart of of the people that serve is the oath that they take. And when you take that oath, it's to defend the Constitution. And the abuse that the Constitution is taking now with an inept, uh, by an inept uh, legal uh, department, the Department of Justice, the FBI, the CIA, all, all of these people, because CIA is still, even though they're intelligence, they're, they're, they're digging up information for, for the purpose of prosecution in a lot of cases. And wh what I find interesting is that uh, uh, where is the high command 
in our military and what and i have a i have a feeling because trump has so many military people surrounding him and involved with him i have a feeling that 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 they have plans in, in place so w when when does it get to a point where the military steps in to defend the co constitution uh by, by necessity and and you know if, if there's anything you can throw that way Great point. Laura, you want to take that one? Where where do you think that's going? And just darn it, we're almost out of time, too. Go ahead, Laura. Tell us, where do you think that's well, going? Because he's right. This goes, this, goes back to what I was, this goes back to what I was talking about earlier, and it's a really long, complex question to answer in the three minutes that we have, but this is why it's so essential that these issues that we're raising awareness for now be addressed before it's too late, because you have individuals like Ilhan and Rashida and others who are, and, and as a as, a, as somebody who served uh, in our military, you more than ever will understand the threat that Sharia poses to our Constitution. And you have people from all levels of government. You see how the FBI essentially weaponized itself under James Comey to be used as a tool to sabotage our, 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 our governmental process and the president, right? He weaponized the FBI against half the country. And then you have now with the, the radical left in this country combined with the Muslims trying to implement Sharia uh, from a government level, which is posing a direct threat to our constitution. So it's something that I fear greatly. I, I fear the erosion of our constitution and that, uh, you know, this, this Marxist jihadi alliance that we're seeing from the highest levels, right? It is really posing a threat to what we hold dear as Americans. And you're right, elected officials take an oath to uphold our values, our constitution. But now we have these women and, and other individuals, just to use an example of Rashida and Ilhan again, who are going to be taking their oath on the Quran on January 3rd of, of next year. So we have a serious crisis in this country, like I've mentioned throughout this, in, this entire hour, where people are taking oaths and they're being allowed to, taking oaths to things other than our Constitution, which is what, as an American, is the only thing you should be taking your oath to. Exactly. Hopefully that answers your question. Exactly. And Sid, please call again. That was a great question. As someone who served myself, I could tell you that the oath is the most important thing anyone that has served in our armed forces or taken any office should uphold. And that rolls back to you as a citizen. Your vote is like your oath. Treat it wisely. Remember how much weight it carries, a weight that people in other nations worldwide wish it had. Sid, thank you again for calling in with that amazing question, and I look forward to having you on again. That concludes today's show. Monday through Friday, 12 to 2, I was your host, Tori, and my co-host today was Laura Loomer, who will be with us every Wednesday delivering unbiased, unfiltered news from all of us here at Red State. Have a great evening.